And I want you to go to 2 Timothy chapter 2 with me this morning. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. While you're turning there, lift your hands and sing this. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Say, take my hands, take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. One more time, every hand lifted. Say, if you can use anything, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Yes. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Second Timothy chapter 2. Verse 19, I'm going to read this. We're going to start in a little bit of a practical vein, and then I'm going to prophesy. Nevertheless, the foundation, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house, everybody say a great house. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to help us today. Speak to our hearts. Stir us in the Holy Ghost. And we give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen and amen. Before you're seated, turn around and tell somebody as you're being seated, God wants to use you. God wants to use you. And you can be seated in the name of Jesus. Well... Isabel, I'm having an issue. So if you just, there we go. I want to preach a message to you this morning entitled Vessels. Everybody say Vessels. Vessels. In our church, serving is one of our cultures. People are one of our values. Our values determine how we become a place where the broken are made whole. So people, how many of you know people are God's heart? People. And we love people by serving people. That's why we have our serve teams. Can I help you understand something? Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And in a great house like this one, there are many vessels. 
And vessels have different uses. And today, I believe God wants to talk to some vessels. Is there anybody in the room that will just throw up one hand and just say, I'm available, Lord. Just, I'm available, Lord. I, whatever you want to do, I'm available. God wants to speak to some vessels this morning. And, and, and so I want to give you some context to our scripture. The books of First and Second Timothy are written to Timothy, not by him. They are letters from Paul to his son in the Lord as he pastors and oversees the church of Ephesus. And his goal in Ephesus is to snuff out and, for lack of a better term, eliminate false teachers. Ephesus was a wealthy city filled with idolatrous worship. Now, if you're in my biblical interpretation class from School of Ministry, nothing I'm telling you ought to be news to you. They just wrote a paper on Ephesus. It was worship to the Greek goddess Artemis. It was in Ephesus that Paul would preach in the book of Acts and they would riot because Paul preached about another way. How many of you understand that when you come up against a cultural God, the enemy tends to rile people up into a riot? When you preach against some of the cultural gods that we worship as Americans, the enemy begins to rile people up against you. So Paul began to preach at Ephesus. Ephesus was one of Paul's favorite churches. He spent much time there, planted many churches there, and ultimately put Timothy over the church that was at Ephesus. And so Paul is writing to Timothy, and he tells him in our text this morning that in a great house, there are many vessels. I want to focus for just one moment on the house. And he begins to speak and he says that its foundation is a sure foundation. How many of you know that the house of God has a sure foundation? I know you're tired. I know I'm preaching at a different time than I normally preach, but I need you to shake yourself and wake up because I feel the burden of the Lord to help somebody this morning. I said, how many of you know that a great house needs a great foundation? And the house of God has the greatest foundation that you could ever imagine. Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11 where he said, there is no other foundation that has been laid other than that which is Jesus the Christ. The Bible called Jesus the chief cornerstone. He is the stone by which the rest of the building is determined on how we build. And I've come to tell somebody this morning that if it's not built on Jesus, I don't want any part of it. If it's not built on him, I don't want to be engaged in it. Let me tell you something. I'm so thankful for the pastor appreciation that you gave me this morning, but I will fail you. 
I'm not perfect. I'm flesh and human. I will mess up. I will disappoint you. I will bring, there are times that you will be discouraged because of me, but can I tell you something? If you are here because of me, you're here for all the wrong reasons. I don't come for a celebrity. I don't come for a worship leader. I don't come for a song or a sound. I come because there is no other foundation that has been laid. I'm trying to be practical, but I feel it. I know of the foundation that has been laid than that which is Jesus Christ. And no matter what the devil tries to throw at the church, no matter how the devil tries to shake and prod and come against the church, it cannot uproot the foundation of the ecclesia because Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. And there's no weapon the devil has come up with that is any different than the cross. And when Jesus got up on the cross, he whip stripped and unzipped the devil and the devil was shown for what he is a punk whose only authority is given to him by Jesus there is a sure foundation for a great house the foundation of God stands sure and then it is unmistakable here's the foundation here's the inscription on the foundation here's the first one the Lord knows them that are his There's some preaching power there, but I don't have time. The Lord knows them that are. Is there anybody saved? Is there anybody that will say with Psalm 100 that I am the sheep of his pasture? And if you are the sheep of his pasture, the Lord knows. I just need you to touch three people around you and tell them the Lord knows you. The Lord knows you. The Lord, he knows them that are his. In, in John 10 and 4, in John 10 and 14 rather, he said, I'm the good shepherd and I know my sheep. The second inscription is holiness. 2 Timothy 2, 19. Let everyone who names the name of Jesus depart from iniquity. The word depart here, it means to purposely avoid. Hmm. To purposely avoid. Which means if I know that there is iniquity in a movie or a show or a song or an occasion, then I, as one who names the name of Christ, am called to purposely avoid these things to avoid the very appearance of evil mm, I'm not going to try to tick all of you off on, my, on this pastor appreciation Sunday but you've already appreciated me and it's too late for you to run now <laughs> we're coming into Halloween I told the church I told the the Bible study here a couple Wednesdays ago. One of the main reasons I don't celebrate Halloween and we don't celebrate it in my house. Listen. I have cast out demons that we celebrate on Halloween. So I don't know. I feel you. So why would I put my children in a position to open a door to a demon of fear and anxiety and depression and worry 
that I've cast out in this altar and I've cast out on the other side of the world. Purposely avoid. I could go further, but I don't know that I have time to mend you up. So the first thing about the great house is its foundation. The second thing is its people. First Timothy chapter 3 and 15, he said, Conduct yourselves in the house of the Lord, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. We are his church. This building is not his church. We, the people, are the ecclesia, the gathering, the company of the local expression of the kingdom of God. And the Bible said not only are we his church, but we are his house. First Peter 2 and 5 said, you also, you are being built up as a spiritual house. A holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. And the Bible said that we are to be to the praise of his glory. So first we have the vessel's home. Then secondly, we're going to have the usefulness of the vessels. Now we're going to go to the end and then we're going to come back to the middle. The usefulness, listen, if you're taking notes, write this down. The usefulness of the vessel is determined by the purity of the vessel. The usefulness of the vessel is determined by the purity of the vessel. If you want God to use you big, then your commitment to purity has to be just as big. If you want God to use you in prophecy, then your commitment to consecration has to be large. Okay. And so, in, in verse 22, Paul says, cleanse yourself. Means to clean out or to clean away. 1 Corinthians 5 and 7, Paul writes to the church of Corinth and he says, before, before you, you come into this, you've got to clean out the old yeast. If you use old yeast, the bread won't rise. What, what was Paul trying to say? You've got to get rid of the mixture. And, and, and I believe that God is, is on the verge of, of being done with mixture in his bride. That, that we put our foot in, in the world, but we also put our foot in the bride. And, and, and we, try to, we try to live Christian and we try to live godly, but then we make intentional decisions to not cleanse ourselves from unrighteousness and cleanse ourselves from the things that God has told us to cleanse ourselves from. If you're going to be a bread baked in the oven of the Holy Ghost, you've got to use new yeast which is not contaminated by an old way of thinking. When God delivered you, he set you free, not just from what, uh, not just from Egypt being on you, but also Egypt being in you. Come on. 
Because what happened is God delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt, but he had to take them through a process of getting Egypt out of them. And there are some of you that God has delivered you from your old life and from your old way of doing things and your old way of living, but you have yet to let him get it out of you. You have let, He brought you out of the atmosphere, but now he's saying, I've got to get the atmosphere out of you because the children of Israel came into Egypt and they wanted to go back to worshiping false gods but Jesus said one of the first things I need to tell you is you will have no other gods before me I'm not like the gods you served in Egypt I'm not like the gods you worshiped in your old life I am holy I am set apart I am righteous in all that I do touch your neighbor say get rid of the mixture get rid of the mixture then we have to flee youthful lusts the word flee, it means to run from. Youthful means childish. Lust means desires. Flee, run from, childish desires. I know y'all got all the kiddos in here this morning. And kiddos, I'm not going to pick on you. I'm just going to tell the truth. How many of you parents understand that there is something about kids that they just lack self-control sometimes? Just throw your hand up. You don't need to embarrass your child. Just, just, you can even just wave at me. Just put, put your hand on the pew and just wave at me if you don't want to embarrass your kid. They cease and fail to exercise self-control. And what Paul is saying is that as you have matured, you have to flee childish ways if you're going to be useful to the master. And you've got to pursue the right things. Pursue right things. Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his what? Righteousness. And all of these things will be added to you. And so now we've, we've looked at what does it take to be useful to the master. Can we just take 35 minutes and just look at some vessels? Can we do that? Can we do that? I'm about to do the whole the evangel, uh, evangelist dude. How many will give me five minutes? Throw your hand up. 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. I'm about to do it if you don't respond. Can we do it? Can we just go for a little bit? Okay. Let's look at some vessels. The first vessel I want to look at is the marred vessel. The marred vessel. Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 3. Then I went down to the potter's house. And there he was making something on the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter. The word marred here in the Hebrew, it means corrupted, to ruin or to annihilate. Sometimes in a great house, there are vessels who have been marred. There are vessels who have been ruined, who have been corrupted, who have felt annihilated. And, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you that just because you're saved doesn't mean that you're not going to feel like this sometimes. 
There are plenty of people that are sitting on the pews of our churches, this church or other campuses, churches around the nation who confess and believe Jesus, speak in tongues, prophesy, but life has broken them. Things have broken them. People have hurt them. They've been ruined by circumstances, annihilated by pain, and in a great house, in this house, you might be here this morning and you may look at this vessel and say, I see me on that giant screen. I see me in the spirit. I have no, there's no use for this vessel. There's nothing that this vessel can do. What it needs is to be broken down and put back in the water and made moldable again. You can't use it in some of you in the room today because you feel marred and violated and annihilated and you feel ruined and corrupted. You feel like there's no use for me, but I've got good news for you because there's two promises that we find in the potter's house in Jeremiah 18. The Bible said, I looked and the potter was making something at the wheel and I saw he had a marred vessel in his hand. Here's the first promise for you that no matter how you're feeling, no matter how marred you feel, no matter how broken you feel, no matter how annihilated and ruined you feel on the inside, if you look to the potter, you'll see that you are placed firmly in the palm of his hand and your ways are ever before him. There has never been a moment that he's taken his eye off of you. There's never been a moment where he has taken his affection from you. There's never been a moment that you haven't been in the palm of his hand. The Bible said in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And listen, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all of the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In Psalm 3 and 1 beginning, he said, many are they increased which trouble me and many there be which say of my soul there is no help for him in God but thou, O Lord, are a shield for me. You're the glory and the lifter of my head. I cried unto the Lord and he heard me. I laid down to sleep and I awaked for the Lord sustained me. In Psalm 31 and 3, the psalmist said, my times are in your hand. And so I've got to tell somebody who feels like you've been forgotten and feels like you've been forsaken and feels like the wounds will never stop coming and the wounds can never be healed. Take heart this morning. You are in the palm of the potter's hand and your ways are ever before him. Uh, now here's the second promise. Mm-hmm. He said, I looked and I saw in the hand of the potter a vessel that had been marred. Thank you, Holy Ghost. And he made it again. Mm. He made it again. 
I, I want to tell somebody in the room this morning who feels marred and broken and weighed down and wounded and you've been wounded by people, you've been wounded by things, you have been wounded by circumstances that the potter has the power to make you over again. The potter has the power to put his hands on you and to make you over again. He's got the power to take a marred, jacked up, hurting, wounded, trauma-filled vessel and put his hand on it and make it again. All I need is about 50 people who have been made again to stand up and just wave at me. If you've been made again, if you know you were wounded and you were broken and you were filled with pain and turmoil, but he made you over again, just wave. And if today you're in the room and you feel like you have been wounded and you feel like you've been marred and you feel like you can't go, look at everybody waving. They're a testimony that the potter has the power to make a vessel new again. And the Holy Ghost sent me to tell somebody this morning that this is the season of restoration. I don't know what your family's been walking through. I don't know what kind of tension there's been in your life. But I heard the prophet say in Joel 2 that I will restore the years that the locusts have stolen. And there was a prophetic word released this week that it's not going to take God as long to fix it as it took the devil to mess it up. It's not gonna take God long to put it back together as it took the devil to screw it up. He will restore the years that the locusts have stolen. He can make you over again. He can put you back together again. He can do it like it never happened with nothing missing. Touch your neighbor, say he can make you over again. He can put his hand on you. And what the devil meant for evil. You know what a potter's wheel does? It turns. And what the devil meant for evil, God can turn it around for my good. He can turn it around for my blessing. Every time around the wheel, God's working it out. Every time around the wheel, God's figuring it out. Every time around the wheel, God's putting it back together. Every time around the wheel, God is adding what you lost back to you. I will restore the years. Somebody needs to just grab this. Some marred, hurting vessel needs to just grab it. I'll restore the years, not the stuff, not the materials, not the money, but I'll restore the years. God does not operate in finite materialistic time God operates in Kairos and when Kairos steps into Kronos God catches you up I just need 20 people to stand up and touch somebody and tell them God's about to catch you up God's about to catch you up God's about to catch you up 
that God puts on your spirit and where you felt like you're falling behind. God is getting ready to restore the years that the locusts have stolen and where you should have been is where you end up all along. He can make you over again. He can make you over again. It doesn't matter how young you were when it happened. He can make you over again. It doesn't matter how many times it's happened. He can make you over again. It doesn't matter how long it happened. He can make you over again. He specializes because the pot, just touch somebody, tell them the potter's got the power. The potter's got, does not the potter have the ability and the power to make with the clay what he wants to make? The potter's got the power. God's about to catch you up. Ahab had a head start. My God. But the Spirit of God came on Elijah and God caught him up. Job lost it all. Everything he had was taken. But in one moment at the end of Job, God didn't just restore to him what he lost. But God gave him double what he lost because God, if Job would have kept on going and and, and the devil would have never attacked him, Job would have ended up with double. But now he had this thing happen to him. So God said, Job, because you've kept your integrity, because you've kept your character, because you didn't sin against me, I'm about to catch you up. And where you were going to be, I'm going to accelerate you. Don't just let the moment pass, but take a merry approach. Be it unto me according to your word. If you're broken, if you're wounded, if you're scarred, if there's places in your life that you just feel like, God, why did this happen and why did I have to endure this and how did I have to go through it? Just, just grab onto the word. Be it unto me according Mm. to thy word somebody just shout he made it again that was a a good talk I said shout he made it again so next help us Holy Ghost next he said we have the earthen vessel the wooden clay vessel He mentions vessels of gold 
and silver in the same line, thank you, Holy Ghost, that he mentions earthen vessels. Now, everybody in the room, you might think, well, I want the gold vessel. We're talking real gold, not that stuff that chips when you hit it on accident. <laughs> We're talking real gold. And anybody in the room who would be honest would say, I want the real, I want the gold vessel. I, I, I want the silver vessel. Uh, here's the deal. Earthen vessels may not look as valuable as gold vessels. But God specializes in taking ordinary. Everybody else doesn't see the value. Everybody else would rather have the gold and silver. But God specializes in taking the earthen vessel. Uh, this is why God hasn't just made us all angels. Because God has the ability to take imperfect vessels. Vessels that with the mind's eye see no value. And use them to confound the wise and use them to break the neck of the enemy. And earthen vessels, all they got to do is be available. They don't need some special place to sit. They don't need some special place to be. They don't need somebody to reserve their role for them. And they don't need somebody to get them a, a warm temperature orange juice. All they need is they just say, Holy Ghost, I'm available. I'm an earthen vessel who's not just available, but I'm empty. And I want you to fill me. And I want you to use me. If you want to use me to hold a bouquet of flowers, I'll hold a bouquet of flowers. If you want to use me to just put on a shelf and be a nice decoration, I'll put on the shelf and be a nice decoration. I may not have the gold or silver plating, but what I have is something called availability. And here I am. You can just use me. You can shape me. You can put whatever you want to in me. I'll do whatever you call me to do. Listen. Listen, because what happens to us, the Bible said, I am dust, I'm clay, and to dust I'll return. What happens to us is we start as earthen vessels. God, use me. God, do what you want through me. God, put me wherever you want to put me. Put in me whatever you want to put in me. And then we go through the fire and the process that leads to an earthen vessel becoming gold-plated. And all of a sudden, we become prideful and arrogant. And it goes from God use me to do anything to God, I don't really want to do that. Use me to do this. And we start telling the potter what we, ought, what we think, where we think he ought to put us. But the Bible said the clay has no right to say to the potter what its purpose is for. And, and so I've come to tell somebody that's an earthen vessel right now that God is making into a gold-plated vessel.
If you ever lose your availability, you might be gold-plated, but God will put you on a shelf and he won't use you because God looks for somebody who's available. God's not looking for a diva. God is not looking for a celebrity. God is not looking for somebody who's too good to do the dirty work. He's looking for somebody that says, God, you might call me to be a gold-plated vessel. You might call me to do honorable things and great things. You might even call me to preach your word. But until I get to the gold vessel state, you can use me, you can fill me in any capacity that you want to put me. If you want to put me on the cleaning team, put me on the cleaning team. If you want to put me on the worship team, put me on the worship team. If you want to put me on the outreach team, put me on the outreach team. If you want to hide me in a classroom somewhere, hide me in a classroom somewhere. But don't do anything that you're doing. Don't do it with Without me, don't do it without using me. Don't do it without filling me. Don't do it without putting me up, picking me up and filling me and putting me where I need to be. Um, earthen vessels, imperfect vessels, vessels that nobody else might want, but God specializes in picking up and putting the most valuable things in. And so we move from the marred vessel that God puts back together to the earthen vessel. And now we move to the gold vessel. Everybody say the gold vessel. The gold vessel. Now don't that look good? Don't that look good? A gold vessel. Let me talk to you for just a moment about gold vessels. Gold vessels are tested vessels. I'm going to say it one more time for those of you that need to hear with the hearing of your ear. Gold vessels are tested vessels. And contextually, Paul says that gold vessels are used for honorable uses. That means that in the kingdom, there are different gifts and unique assets given to everybody. Specifically, Paul was speaking to the fivefold ministry prophets, pastors, teachers, apostles, evangelists that these gold and silver vessels are used for honorable uses, dignitary uses. You're not going to walk into a dignitary's home and find an earthen vessel, they're going to be gold. Silver, be diamonds. The reality is, the more honorable the use, the stronger the test has been for the vessel to stand in the place of honor. I remember there are prayers that I'm so thankful my father prayed over us as kids. And they're also the same prayers that when, I, when the prayer came to pass, I'm kind of angry he prayed the prayers. And now I'm praying the same prayers over my kids. My dad would pray over all three of us. Lord, give them double what you gave me. And as a teenager, I said, yes, 
That's the Lord. And then I went through the test, Terry, of double. And I wanted to go back to 16-year-old me and say, be careful coming into agreement with that prayer because the test is going to be hard. So hard that the prophet Malachi said, who can withstand the refiner's fire? <laughs> who can withstand the test of double? I remember watching, as I grew older, watching preachers that I admired that preached under a great anointing. We could pull this back in the monitor just a touch. That preached under a great anointing. Not much, because I'm about to scream in a minute. And I remember thinking, God, I want that anointing. And then I experienced what it was like, God help us, to go out and be tested on my own. And I stopped praying for other people's anointing because in order to receive the anointing somebody has on their life, I've got to walk through what they've walked through to get it. And so maybe you're an earthen vessel in the room and you're saying, God, I want to be a gold-plated vessel. I want to be a vessel that you use to do great things. My word to you is this, that there is a great test that stands before an earthen vessel that wants to become a vessel that is used mightily in the kingdom. And the more mighty the use, the more mighty the test. The more mighty the use, the more mighty the the pressure and so for somebody who's in the room this morning that was an earthen vessel God use me God use me make me available and now all of a sudden God has thrown you in the refiner's fire I would tell you that the pressure is a sign that God's getting ready to use you in a way that's going to blow your mind I've come to tell you the pressure in the test is a sign that God is getting ready to bust open double doors of opportunity and effective ministry in your life if you're under pressure you will be refined as fire okay I got to do something I can't go through this I don't have time but I have to do this because the Holy Spirit told me to can I have that symbol the Bible said because in every one of these vessels thank you for not throwing these away in every one of these vessels <laughs> Sorry, I had a thought come to my mind. I was about to rebuke the drummers for playing so hard, but that's like the pot calling the kettle black. <laughs> Can't tell you how many of these I broke in my life. In every vessel, there is treasure. Somebody say treasure. The Bible said we have treasure hidden, where? In earthen vessels. In earthen vessels. Can you help me real quick? In earthen vessels. Talent, gifts, abilities. Hold this. Uh, let's start with behind you. Hold it behind you. What I have found in my time of discipleship with people. Hold it behind you. Is that oftentimes 
you have to work through people to get to talent. Because here's what I've learned. Trauma buries talent. The devil will use trauma, word curses, people, things that happen to you to bury and hide the gold that God put in you in your mother's womb. So when you hear this wild, crazy, insane maniac up here screaming and hollering that God's got plans for you and gifts for you and talents for you, your trauma informs you he's not talking to you. Because your trauma has buried your gift And when the refiner would go and look for gold, they'd go searching first. So now, you got to work through years of trauma in order to get to the talent that God has put in your life. Can anybody testify that you had to work through some stuff in order for, to see what God put in you? And if you're in the room this morning and you're hearing me preach, you say, he's not talking to me. I am, that you are the exact person I've come to talk to today who feels like your pain disqualifies you and your trauma disqualifies you and your life disqualifies you. I've actually come to tell you that your pain qualifies you and your trauma qualifies you and the word curses qualify you because God takes unqualified, trauma-filled, hurt, broken people and he pulls out the gold inside of them. Now put it in front of you. Here's the second part of this. And this is where a lot of people fall. Talent buries trauma. I'm going to say that one more time for you. It's going to hit you. The gold God put in you has become a shield so nobody can see the real you. It's awfully quiet in this church. And, and, and so you're talented, you're gifted, loud, got giftings and character, got giftings and talent. And the moment that somebody comes to you and says, you're talented, you're gifted. I'm thankful for the thing God did for you, but let's take the talent out of the way. Let's get into this vessel a little bit. The moment the talent and the place to put the talent to use is taken, you run. Because we've been taught to avoid pain. It's quiet. It's tight, but it's right. We've been taught to avoid pain, to, to use, thank you, to use the talent to hide the trauma. They won't see that I'm broken as long as I just keep showing them my talent. They won't see that my marriage is in trouble if I just get up and sing. They won't see that I've got a pornography addiction 
because of rejection I experienced as a young man or young woman. But what they'll see is I can do this. And talent buries trauma. Both trauma-burying talent and talent-burying trauma, God wants to deal with. Because there is gold in you that trauma has buried, but there's also gold in you that's burying your trauma. Neither are healthy, neither are effective for the kingdom, and neither are things that God winks at. He wants you completely, totally, 110% whole. He, can't, he doesn't want to remove the scars because the scars remind us of where we've been and how good the Lord has been to us. But what God wants to do is God wants to take the power away from the triggers. God wants to take the power away from the things that used to set you off and take the power away from the things that have buried what God put inside of you. There are so many of you in this room this morning. You don't serve in this church because the last church you served and you got hurt. God wants to deal with it. You don't engage in this church because the last church you were in, somebody talked about you. God wants to deal with it. He wants to take the power away from the trauma so that he can unlock the gold that God put inside of you so that the kingdom of God can be advanced. I've come to tell somebody in this room, you are the devil's worst nightmare in hiding. You are the devil's worst nightmare undercover and when you decide God I'm laying down the talent and I'm laying down the trauma and you can come and heal me you can come and set me free I to go that direction the oil and the anointing of God comes upon you and he begins to pull out of you what he put in you from the beginning somebody say I'm ready for battle I gotta hurry I gotta hurry. Okay. I just skipped a whole chunk because I gotta hurry. Then, I, as I was praying this week, the Holy Ghost told me about two more vessels and then we're gonna be done. In a great house, there are vessels of gold, silver, clay, wood. But also in a great house, there are generational vessels. The first vessel is the young vessel. Now, there's a, a program that we just found out about at this conference this week. Should I go here, Andrew? Okay, I'm gonna go here. Some of you think that AI is demon in the same way that most of y'all thought internet was demon and technology was demon. And if that's the case, y'all got demons in your pockets. The, the value and the ability of something is not found. Technology isn't it. It's just, it, it's a thing. It's not innately good or evil. It depends on whose hands it's in. I say all that to say this. AI did this picture. <laughs> so we, we found this thing. We could just type in a prompt and it just puts out graphics. I, I can't tell you how much time this is going to save us. We're going to be more effective. But I typed in young, new, colorful 
vessel. The first one I got was wild, and it didn't populate in the right frame, so I had to do a new one. But, but how many of you know that my generation, the generations behind me, kind of look like this? They're a little bit edgy. They're a little bit wild. I wouldn't necessarily put this in my house. Uh, it, it's, it's not something, uh, it's kind of exotic. The one before it was even more exotic. You, you got to have a color scheme that goes with this. What I'm trying to say is that there is a generation coming up that does not fit the mold that the other vessels have filled before. There's a generation of sons and daughters coming up that are exotic, they're colorful, they're going to make you uncomfortable. You wouldn't necessarily decorate your house like this, but I've come to tell you God's got his hand on them. And I've come to tell you three things the Holy Ghost spoke to me. This is a vessel that God's going to use to usher in the great awakening that will lead to the second coming of the Lord. This is the vessel that God is going to use to turn school systems upside down and classrooms upside down. This is the vessel God is going to use to turn schools from murder zones into zones of revival. This is the vessel God's going to use to turn schools from confusion and disorientation and identity crisis in the place of kingdom culture all right this vessel is a Joshua generation vessel when Joshua was getting ready to lead the people the first thing God said to Joshua Joshua Moses is dead Joshua in other words the way that things have always been are not going to be like that anymore. A Joshua generation. Moses is dead. Moses, see, I make some of you nervous because I'm just full of whatever, full of the Holy Ghost, but radical, a little crazy, just do things that make you uncomfortable. Moses was a shepherd. Joshua was a warrior. Moses and the people he led missed the promised land. Joshua said, I'm not going to miss it, even if it kills me. There's a generation alive on the planet right now who are saying, I'm not going to miss the revival that God is about to pour out on his people. I'm not going to, and they're also saying we're not going to fake it. We're not going to try to mock it. We're not going to try to mimic another movement. We want the real, authentic, territory conquering, Holy Ghost baptizing, outpouring of the Holy Ghost. So then there's a Jehu generation. Second Kings chapter 9 tells us that Jehu was a young man, anointed king. And the Bible says that Jehu, when he heard that Jezebel was up in the palace, the Bible said Jehu got up in a chariot and the the watchman looked out and said, that looks like Jehu. You want to know what marked him? For he drives furiously. <laughs> Look at that wild man. 
covered it. He's got oil all on him. Thank you, Holy Ghost. He's covered in oil, covered in the anointing, and he's driving in his chariot in the mud. It's starting to cake to his hair and to his beard, and they're thinking, who is this? What kind of wild man did they send after us? And, and if I could just paint you a picture, I just believe that in the, in the principalities in the air, the prince of the power of the air is looking down, and he's seeing a generation covered in oil that's got mud caked on their body. They don't look like the last generation. They don't sound like Moses' generation. They don't feel like Moses' generation. They don't drive like Moses' generation, but they drive furiously. And you want to know why? There's so much talk about Jezebel and the Jezebel spirit is because God has raised up an answer to a Jezebel spirit and it's a generation full of Jehus who are going to drive furiously. Oh yeah, they're going to make you mad. Oh yeah, they're going to make you uncomfortable. Yes, they're going to make you shiver sometimes. But this is a generation that will not rest until that prostitute Jezebel falls out of the window of her kingdom to the bloody ground and the dogs eat her flesh. I've come to tell you, I'm not going to stop until Jezebel is dead. Pastor, when are you going to stop shouting when Jezebel's dead? When are you going to stop preaching when Jezebel's dead? When are you going to stop laying hands on people when Jezebel's dead? When are you going to start practicing deliverance when Jezebel's dead? I won't stop. Uh, and, and, and there, thank you, Holy Ghost. There's a young generation in this church full of Jehus that are your sons and daughters, full of Joshua's that are your sons and daughters that God is going to use and God is going to use them to break the to break the attack of the devil. He's going to use them to snap the back of the devil. And don't you dare sit there and talk about where they're exotic and, and I don't like the colors they're wearing and I don't like the things they do and I don't like the way they do things. I'm just thankful that they're not lost on the side of a road somewhere in drug addiction and pornography and alcohol. I'm glad they're in a great house to be used by a great God. Do not. There's one more vessel. I'm coming for you. Do not hold my generation to the sins of your generation. My God. There's a whole lot in this generation. God has preserved and they've never been in a club they've never been in a bar they've never been drunk they've never had drugs touch their system they've never watched pornography God has sustained them and there are some that have been drunk and have been in drugs and have been addicted to pornography but their story is the same as yours but God who is rich in mercy reached down and picked them up oh. They're young generation, young vessels. They got energy, a whole lot of energy. One of the things that I'm most thankful for about being the lead pastor, so I don't have to do lock-ins anymore. Thank you, Holy Ghost. 
Yeah, if you knew the stories. Young vessels. And then a third generation, the Zerubbabel generation, that rebuilt the temple. And Zerubbabel had to deal with an older generation who wept and the temple wasn't even finished. I got to take this off. The older generation wept. Thank you. And the temple wasn't even completed. Just the foundation. Let me tell you something. I might do some things as your pastor and leader and as a young man that rub you the wrong way. You wish for the older days. I, listen, it's okay. It's all right. I don't take it personally. I, sometimes I long for the old days. But I will not sacrifice the new thing God is doing for the sake of maintaining an old wineskin that's going to burst when the new wine comes anyways. I might do some things that upset you. Here, here's the reality. The same goes for Zerubbabel that went for me, that goes for me. It's not by might, not by power, not by our strategies, not by our structures, not by our planning, not by our vision casting, not by our dreaming, not by our money, not by our plans, not by might, not by power, by our talents, not by our, our giftings, not by our abilities, not by might, not by power, but here is the intersecting line, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. How is a generation going to build? By my spirit, how are we going to build a house for God to contain multiple generations? By my Then there's the last vessel, and I'm done. Just I know I'm preaching long today. Just hang with me. My wife is in the nursery. I'm, she'll tell me I preach long today. <laughs> the last vessel. The last vessel. I've come to, to minister to somebody this morning. Uh, uh, thank you. The last vessel, whenever it comes up, is the old vessel. Somebody say, you calling me old? It's natural. The seasoned vessel. The aged vessel. Because in a great house, there are many vessels. <laughs> I've come to talk to somebody today who feels like what that vessel looks like. Craggedy old, laying in ruins, past its prime. I've come to tell somebody who feels like that, if you've got breath, God's not done with you. I've come to tell somebody who feels like my prime is past. I've already passed the point of usefulness. If you've got breath, God will use you. 
If you've got air in your lungs, God will use you. And you say, well, pastor, I paid my time. I served my time. I did my time. I've come to tell you. I've come to prophesy to you. There's more in you than that. God's about to give you a second wind. God's about to give you a second wind because God's not finished with a generation who has felt like their time is ending and God is transitioning another generation in. I'm going to tell you something. He is still the God of Abraham just like he is the God of Jacob and just like he is the God of Isaac. So you might feel like this vessel worn down, broken, messed up in ruins. I've got no more use left in me. I've come to tell you there's more in you than that. Your prime is not past. God has the ability to put his hand on you again and use you to do things that you never thought you could do, that you thought it's past time. I've come to speak to some dreams that have been locked up in a legacy generation and in a seasoned saint that you said, God, it's past time for me to do it. I've come to tell you, God is not a man that he should lie. Neither is he the son of man that he should repent. He'll take an old seasoned rusty vessel and put his hand on you and cause you to have the most fruitful years you've ever had in your life. Pastor Ben, come here. I need to use you for a second. I'm going to illustrate something for you, then we're going to pray. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. What God is doing right now, some of you wonder, come on up here. Some of you wonder, God, why is church leadership getting younger? Why is kingdom leadership getting younger? Why are pastors with influence getting younger? I'm going to show you. Let's go stand over there. I want to introduce you to a man named Samson, a strong man, a handsome man. But a, this, that was about you. That was about you. This part's not about you. A man who had problems. That's not about Pastor Ben. A man who lost his vision and he lost his strength because he rested and became complacent. I'll tell you, if you keep running, God will keep giving you vision. If you keep running, God will keep replenishing your strength. The problem is that Samson stopped running, so he fell asleep in the lap of Delilah. And he revealed to her the secret of his strength. So they gouged his eyeballs out. They cut his hair. They bound him in whips and chains. Some of you seasoned saints, you feel like Samson. You've lost your vision. Today's as good as it gets. I'm going to die and go the way of the grave, and I'm going to go to heaven. You've lost your vision for tomorrow. And you've lost your strength to do the work of the Lord. So they throw Samson in jail. And they're about, to, the enemy is celebrating Samson's demise. I've come to tell somebody the devil still celebrates when a generation falls by the wayside. The enemy is celebrating. Oh, we've disconnected the generations. There's division in the generations. There's division in the house. They're arguing over tradition and they're arguing over new things and they're arguing over old things. There's, 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 there's division in the house and the enemy's celebrating. So he's, they're about to bring Samson out into the yard to celebrate. And Samson comes to the pillars and the Bible said, go read it in Judges. 
The Bible said, Samson said to the young lad. Samson said to the young lad, he said, position me in between the pillars. So some of you are wondering why is God shifting leadership in this hour? Why is God shifting leadership to younger in this hour? I don't know what it is for everybody else, but I'll tell you what it is for me. God's about to put his hand on a young generation to take an older generation and position your hands in between the pillars. And the Bible said that when Samson pushed the pillars, he killed more in his death than he did in his life. And I've come to tell you that you're about to walk into the greatest season of fruitfulness that you've ever walked into and it's not just going to be because God led you there it's going to be because God used a younger generation to take an older generation and position them for the best years of their life I've come to tell some older man some older woman some seasoned saint who feels like your time is over you need to stop looking for the pillars start looking for the pillars and when you find the pillars my generation will put you in a place to bear the most fruit that you've ever borne in your life your days are not over your time is not over your season is not done if you've got breath God's got plans for you hallelujah stand up stand up God, stir us, stir us in a great house. There are many vessels. In a great house, there are many vessels. God put his hand on a young lad to position an older man. We need, I'm going to talk for my generation for 30 seconds. We need the wisdom of the seasoned. We need the prayers of the seasoned. We need all the veracity and energy you've got to go into one thing. Let's build him a house together. Let's... Let's build him a house together. Because God will not inhabit a house where there's only one generation present. And he won't inhabit a house where there's only one ethnicity present. That's not what heaven looks like. That's not what the kingdom looks like. That's not what this church is going to look like. Somebody say, Pastor, I just need a little bit more convincing. Okay. I remind you, Jesus in a field there all day and all night kind of like today and Jesus says to his disciples go find food oh hello there's 5,000 people Jesus you know they're young men so they probably were a little bit smart aleck where do you expect us to find food for 5,000 people Jesus said I don't just go find it 
you find it and I'll make it multiply. He didn't tell them that. That's what he was going to do. So the disciples go. They come back to Jesus. Listen, Jesus, who did they find? We found a young man. He's got two fish and five loaves of bread. I don't know how we're going to feed 5,000. I had a thought not long ago when I was considering the generations. That boy had two fish and five loaves of bread. I'm thankful for the mother of a young boy that before he left the house, he said, baby, I know you're going to be hungry today. So here's two fish and here's five loaves of bread. That mother had no idea that that boy was going to become the greatest recorded miracle in the Gospels. He, she had no idea what was ever going to become of that two fish and five loaves of bread. So I say to an older generation, please don't stop equipping us. Please don't stop praying because your two fish and five loaves of bread are going to become my generation's greatest miracle tomorrow. Don't you stop praying. Don't you stop equipping. Yeah.